0: You are listening to the weekly podcast of City Church Orlando, located just off of 1792 at 650 Airport Boulevard in Sanford, Florida. Our website, orlandocitychurch.com. Today, Lead Pastor Eugene Smith will continue with our series called, It's a Wonderful Life, Your Life Matters. We all go through valleys in our life, but we're encouraged in the word of God by this. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Our scripture text comes from Psalms 23, starting in verse 4. Today's message is entitled, Your Life Matters, Part 2.
1: Well, if you have your Bibles this morning, I want you to stand for the reading of God's Word. Let's stand this morning for the reading of God's Word. This isn't just an exercise of, of physical futility for you this morning. As a matter of fact, the Bible says in the book of Ezra, when the people found the law, they found the word of God, the Ezra, they had them stand. They had, the Bible says they stood and they read the whole law from morning till afternoon. <laughs> I'm reading one verse, so you're lucky this morning, man. Can you imagine? I mean, they stood in honor of the declaration of God's word, and that's what we're doing this morning. Psalm chapter 23, verse number four. Let's just say this together. It's up on the screen. You can repeat this after me. It's in the New International Version. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. The point of my message this morning is, it's a wonderful life because God has promised to be with you in life's dark valleys. It's a wonderful life because God has promised to be with you in life's dark valleys. Let us pray. Father, I thank you for this moment again, this moment that we have to gather together to be worshipers of you. I thank you for every person that's here today. I thank you for every family that's here today, for the grandparents and those who've come to honor the children. And Lord, we're so grateful for the children here at City Church for the representation of your kingdom and your purposes. God, I just bless the hearers today. Give them spiritual ears today. Father, maybe for even those who are walking through a dark season, right now, God, I pray that your comfort and peace will be their portion. Lord, I pray that you'll use me one more time. I need your help. Holy Spirit, you're my helper. I can do nothing without you. I pray for your great grace to be upon this message today. In Jesus' wonderful and mighty name, amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Valleys. I grew up in a city that was literally in a valley, Tucson, Arizona. My parents moved there when I was a young boy, and I grew up in a city. I, I know the valley, and I know the desert. As a matter of fact, Tucson is surrounded by mountains, the highest mountain being about eleven or 12,000 feet in elevation, and, and valleys are unique because they come in all different shapes, sizes, and forms. I mean, there's all different kinds of valleys. There's valleys that are really rocky, and then there's some valleys that are really, really spacious and really, really big, but... There are characteristics to valleys. There are things that happen in valleys in your life and in my life. I was coming home from Bible College, I think it was 1986. It was the summer of 1986, and I drove down I-5. That's the West Coast, the real West Coast, not Tampa. The, I call it the left coast, but I mean the, the West Coast. I was driving down the West Coast, down I-5, and I cut over. It just, it's from Seattle to, 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 to Tucson. It's from Seattle to L.A., and then you take a left-hand turn. That's all you do. You just go from I-5, you get in Seattle, and you drive all the way down to L.A., and you take a left. Real simple to get to Tucson. You jump on I-10, and you head east. But you go through a desert called the Mojave Desert. Everyone say the Mojave Desert. Now, there's one thing you need to know about the Mojave Desert. Well, Las Vegas is in part of the kind of the far northeastern part of the Mojave Desert. But the part that I drove through is just outside of, of Palmdale and Palm Springs, and, and it's located just a little bit to the the south of a place called Death Valley. Anybody ever heard of Death Valley before? All right, well, let me tell you. There's a Death Valley is a huge area, it's a huge region. And in the summertime, the average daily temperature, average daily temperature is 115 de, 100 and I had I stuttered because I just can't believe I said 115 degrees. Everyone say hot. How hot is hot? Oh, come on, ask me. A blowtorch. <laughs> Just think blowtorch when you think, you know, oh, it's a dry heat. Yeah, well, a blowtorch will just dry the heat right off of you. I mean, it'll just blow your skin off. It's extremely hot. And I came down, and I made that left, and I was going across the Mojave Desert. And and uh, the hills, you know, we'd call them mountains here, there in, in the southwest. They call, them, they call them bumps in the road. But, you know, we'd call them a mountain. But these little hills that you have to drive through the Mojave Desert, man, I don't care if you got a brand new car, man. It puts a strain on the engine. So there's there's signs these, all across the the, the road there. And I tend says, you know, turn your air conditioning off. You're thinking, Mike, you gotta be kidding me. 110, 115, 120 hottest temperature recorded in the wet western hemisphere. Western hip- hemisphere took place there a couple of years ago. 134 degrees. Oh, brutal. And I'm you know going over these hills, and all of a sudden the the heat thermometer gauge on my car just started. You know, it's like this, and all of a sudden it starts making a move like this. And I got the air conditioning going, and the music going, and, and I'm just having you know, happy camper coming back from Bible college and going home. And all of a sudden it starts to really push the red line. And so you grow up in the desert, you know that one of the ways you can take heat off of your engine is by turning not turning your air conditioning on, but turning your what on? Turn your, Turn your heater on. So it's hundred, and who knows? It's hot. It's really hot. And I turned my heater on. I rolled my windows down. Now, listen, there's no road rangers on this stretch of highway. Like, they're nobody. matter of fact, cars just kind of pull over, and they let their engines cool off. And I didn't want to stop. I wanted to get home. And, I mean, I drove all, I mean, I pushed it. But after about three or four miles, three or four miles, I mean, it is so hot. The heater is blazing in my car. It's hot outside. I really knew why they called it Death Valley after that experience. I mean, it felt like death. It was hot. You know, but that's a natural experience. There are are spiritual experiences that are very similar to that. They're dark valleys. As a matter of fact, one translation, instead of using the word death, the valley of death uses the valley of darkness. The valley of darkness probably more accurately describes the word in the Hebrew. Valleys of darkness come to all of our lives few years, not just a few years ago, 15 years ago to be exact, my mother passed away. She'd had uh, uh, developed skin cancer, and over a period of 10 years, my mother passed away went to be with the Lord, and, and it was through that season, it was through that season, our family really experienced darkness. It was a dark time. It was a hard time. My mother died just a couple of days before Thanksgiving, and, and it was just a really challenging time in our family. But it was through that dark experience that I really saw some of the greatest work of God's spirit, not only in my life, but in my family's life, and even in my mother's life. Because my mother proved to me that you could go through some really dark valleys and still serve God with all your heart. My mother never blamed God. I never heard her ask why. I never heard her express frustration. I know she had those moments, but she had just a great sense of victory about her life. I discovered, because, you know, that's not how you think when you're a young person and and 52. Now, I'm 47. My mom was 52. 52 is young. For me, 52 is just around the corner. And for some of you, you're already looking back at 52. Some of you, it seems like a long way up. But let me tell you, before you know it, you're there. And then some of you are beyond there. 52 years of age, finishing strong, walking through a dark valley of life. The valleys. There are valleys Described all throughout the Bible. As a matter of fact, it's really fascinating as you begin to study valleys in the Bible. You will find over and over and over there are differing things that take place in the valley. There are differing experiences, different things that people have in their life. And they become names that are significant in biblical history because of spiritual realities that took place in the valley. Joshua, the Bible says that when he was leading the children of Israel and he was trying to decide whether or not that you cross the Jordan River, the Bible says that they were in the Valley of Eshkol literally the Valley of Decision. There's a valley called the Kidron Valley. At the Kidron Valley, this is where Jesus walked through to go and make his way to Golgotha on his way to Jerusalem before he was going to be crucified. It's in the valley of Kidron where Samuel was buried and where David buried his son, Absalom, suffering. David, who penned these words, penned words in this psalm that people have quoted and said and repeated at funerals for generations and generations gone by, but for generations to come. This psalm, the 23rd psalm, is a psalm that brings comfort to many. Because it represents the experience of the human life. In the Bible, there were valleys. The valley of Ishkol was the valley of abundance. It was when Joshua and the, and the other 11 spies went into the promised land and they saw that valley. They saw it filled with abundance and grapes, and, and, and they saw it filled with beautiful fruit and, and, and an abundance of good things. It was the land that God had for them. See, God was taking them to a place of more than enough, a place of abundance. In the valley, things do grow. Things grow. But there's also the valley of Acre. The valley of Acre in the Bible was the valley of trouble. It was where, when Joshua had gone into the promised land and he began to conquer cities. And the Bible said there was one man by the name of Achan who took something that was forbidden by God. He, took, he touched the gold. He took things that God told him not to take. And because of that, there were consequences not only to him, but his whole family paid the price. And that place is called the Valley of Achor even to this very day. A valley of suffering. There's the Valley of Trouble. There's the Valley of the Battle where David fought Goliath and overcame and was victorious. And then there's the Valley that we've described here in Psalms chapter 23. The Valley of Darkness. The Valley of Darkness. Even though I walk through the Valley of the Shadow of Death. The Shadow of Death. You know, the story that we've been following along, George Bailey, his life. George Bailey had some really dark valleys in his life. Matter of fact, he had dreams and goals and aspirations, and they never worked out quite the way that he'd planned. And he got to a point in his life where he was so discouraged, he, he was in so much despair that he comes home and, and he begins to d- display his discouragement while well, he's in a time of a great valley. Well, George hasn't learned his way out of the dark valley yet, and as we can tell, you know, all of us experience dark valleys in our life. Dark valleys, we would use words like discouragement or frustration. And I know no one here would ever take it out on their family, but George took out his frustrations on his family. You know, the fact is, the fact is for most of us. When we're going through dark valleys and we're not responding correctly, we generally tend to hurt the people who are closest to us. We say things that we, you know, we don't really mean to say. They just come out of, of a heart of hurt and a heart of frustration. See, George hadn't heard this message yet. He hadn't learned that you can go through the dark valley and find victory on the other side. I want to just share with you some, some things that I think about dark valleys, some things that I've experienced and discovered over my 26 years of serving Jesus. Because I've had dark valleys just like all of you. I've had dark valleys in my life. and Not just with my mother passed, But all throughout my Christian experience. Times that were difficult. The first thing that I really discovered about dark valleys. Is that they are inevitable. Dark seasons of your life will come. They come to every single person on the planet. Jesus said this. This is one of those pocket promises. You won't find this promise too often in those little devotionals that want to cheer you up for the day. But this is what Jesus said. Jesus said, in this life, you will have trouble. Everyone say, I will have trouble. I want you to stand up and raise your hand and lift up your Bible. Say, this is my Bible. (laughs) This is my Bible. And I will have trouble. You will have trouble in this life. It's a promise. You cannot avoid it. Valleys come. Unseen circumstances make our heads turn. Often we are dumbfounded and taken by surprise. See, Jesus was really realistic. Jesus was really, really realistic. It's inevitable that you're going to walk through challenges and trials and difficult circumstances in your life. They are unavoidable. They are God's, part of God's process of leading you into a wonderful life. Part of the experience of living the abundant, wonderful life that God has for you is the darkness of the soul or the dark night of the soul. The second thing that I've learned is that valleys are unpredictable. Uh, Jeremiah says it like this, disaster follows disasters. In an instant, my tents are destroyed and my shelters fall in a moment. They come just like that. They're unpredictable. I mean, no one has marked on their calendar the day that a disaster or a letter or a loss of a job or a broken relationship, it doesn't work that way in your life. As a matter of fact, we do everything in our life to escape it. We do everything we can to escape trouble and trials and the dark nights of the soul. But they happen. They're unpredictable. Life happens. Although we do our very best to stay out of them, it's a promise of this life. You say, I know inside of me there's this idealistic desire to have a constant mountaintop experience with God. But that's just not reality. It's not reality for you to constantly be at the mountaintop. As a matter of fact, Mo- Moses had to go through the valley to experience the presence of God and get a word from God on the mountaintop. And after he got a word from God, he had to come back down into the valley. That's exactly what it is in your life. Although there's this desire to stay on the mountain... God never allows us to stay on the mountain. Maybe you're a new Christian. You're just brand new to the faith. And, and you're thinking, man, you know, I got Jesus now. and He's changed my life. But, I, man, it's been so exciting. I've seen this happen to so many people. I mean, God's just working miracles and everything you pray for. I remember when I, I first gave my life to Christ, I had this whole great big list of things that I was praying for. Man, I was pre- You know, I had a whole list. I want a stereo set. And I want a car. And, I mean, I was just listen all these things I wanted God to do for me. Man, I started seeing God do some really cool things. And all of a sudden, you know, the darkness came. All of a it, it was unpredictable. I wasn't expecting it. See, realistically, we want to be on the mountaintop. But the fact is, those experiences are few and far between. There is the living our lives in the valley. The daily walk with God. Walking with God and being led by His Spirit. So the third thing I've discovered about valleys is that there are no respecter of persons. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter your position or station in life. It doesn't matter how much insulation you have because of money or whatever else you have in your life. The fact is, valleys are no respecter of persons. Jesus said, he caused the sun to rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. He sends rain on the just. Good things happen to good people. Bad things happen to bad people. To good people, good things happen to bad people and bad things happen to bad people because good and bad things happen to all people, everyone. See, God is no respecter of persons. Everybody has problems, every person. The Bible is very clear that good things happen, but God is able to take something out of our bad and turn it for good if we put our faith and our trust and our confidence in Him. Amen? Amen. Come on. You know, sometimes past, people think that pastors are immune, and this pastor got a report. So, pastor, here's some good news and bad news. Pastor, good news, because of your ministry last week, seven people were baptized in the ocean. Bad news, we lost two of them because of a swift current. The report went on to say, good news, the women's ministry voted to send you a get well card. The bad news, the vote was 21 to 20. (laughs) That's pretty good. Good news, the the deacons accepted your job description the way you wrote it. Bad news, they were so inspired by it that they formed a search committee to find someone capable of filling the position. Good news, Pastor. Mrs. Jones is wild about your sermons. Bad news, Mrs. Jones is also wild about the Jersey Girls, Desperate Housewives, and the Jerry Springer Show. <laughs> the bottom line is no one is immune to hardship, no one is immune to trials, but the fact is God has made a promise for you today. You see, we live in what I call the fallen world syndrome. We live in a fallen world syndrome. And we're, when we start asking the questions, why me, we're going down the wrong trail. Because when we start asking the, the question, why me? We're looking at the wrong thing. We're not looking to the God who created you, who is sovereign, and every detail of your life is under his control. No, you're looking to yourself. You know, I, this has been my personal experience. There are so many believers who are practicing atheists, there are so many believers, so many people who confess faith in Christ, but they look everywhere else when trouble and trial comes their way. People look to a bottle. People look to a prescription pill. People look to you know, someone else or a person in the wrong bedroom, in the wrong place at the wrong time. I mean, people look to all kinds of things, all kinds of sources, throw themselves into the work, trying to climb the ladder of success, thinking that's going to dig them out of the hurt of the dark night of the soul, but it never fulfills It never fulfills. It doesn't work. See, God created you for intimacy with him. God created you for relationship with him. God created you for friendship. The Bible says that Abraham was called a friend of God. Abraham was a friend of God because he believed in a God he could not see. And although he was in a dark place of his life, he had a promise. He had a promise. And it seemed like he was living plan B and not plan A. Abraham believed against all hope. And the Bible says because Abraham believed it was accounted unto him for righteousness. And because he was a righteous man... When he got to the place of impossibility in his life, the place of 100 years of age and his wife 90 years of age. Then God says, you know what, Abraham, you're ready for the miraculous. You're ready for the dark night of your soul to be removed because you believe in my promises to the end of your life. And the Bible says at the age of 100, Abraham gave a a birth. His wife gave birth to a child. And when she heard that she was pregnant, the Bible says that she laughed. She laughed. Because she just couldn't understand it. You see, when God begins to work in your life, He's going to take you through some valleys. He's going to take you through some difficulties. It's inevitable. It will happen. It's unavoidable. But I want you to know when you put your trust and confidence and faith in God, He's able to do like Joseph. You see, Joseph had a bad situation. His brothers sold him into slavery. Then in slavery, he goes into Potiphar's house and he starts to excel. But then he's falsely accused and he's put into prison. And there in prison, things don't go too well for him. He's forgotten. You see, he's got a dark night of the soul experience of his life. And I want you to know today, he never forgot his God. You see, even when he was in the prison, he never lost sight of the promise of God. And the promise of God is that his brothers would one day come down and serve him. And see, because he looked to a God who was able to make the impossible possible, God fulfilled the promises that He made to Him in His life. I want you to know today, God is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above anything you could ever ask or think. But you've got to hold on to God. you got to put your trust in God. you got to know that in the dark nights of your soul, God isn't forgotten you. God cares. God loves. And the God that we serve is able! Someone said amen this morning. Amen. You see, the valleys are temporary in your life. Look what he says. Even though. The old King James, I love it, he says, yay, yeah, yeah. No, yay, though I walk through. There's the operative word. Everyone say through. He didn't stop. He didn't throw a pity party. Oh, why am I here? It's not fair. It's so hard. So those are all the wrong questions. It's all the wrong way to look at. No, Yay, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, when you're going through hell, don't stop. We can do a little song. When you're going through hell, don't stop. When you're going through, hell. come on, let's just do a little song here. When you're going through hell, don't stop. And that's the problem. When you stop, you're a practicing atheist. When you stop in the valley. And you make yourself a pity party. And you throw a tent. And you say, why me? It's not fair. Church full of hypocrites. I can't believe they did that. Whatever. My boss is a jerk. Whatever. It is what it is. You see, I want you to know today, when you're going through the fire, don't stop. For our present troubles are quite small. Everyone say, quite small. I don't care how big it seems to you in the course of eternity, in the course of your eternity. Everyone say eternity. How long is eternity? I mean, how long is eternity? You think you're here just for 60, 70, 50, whatever your time span is, and that's it? You've got to be kidding me. The God that we serve is the God of the eternal, He's the God of the eternal. There is no beginning or end with him. The God who spoke in billions of galaxies and billions and billions of sextillions of stars went into the galaxies of our human experience. He's your God today. You see, valleys have a purpose. The valleys in your life are temporary and they're there for a purpose. And that purpose is to build faith. To build your faith. Because, see, God is far more concerned. God is far more concerned about your holiness than He is your happiness. Hear me today. God is far more concerned about your character and a faith that only comes through the fire. The only way that that faith can produce the kind of fruit in it that God's designed is that it has to be tested. See, God's more concerned about your character than your comfort. We want comfort, we don't want pain. And of course, nobody does. We're not looking for it, we're not running into it. If you do, you're stupid. You're stuck on stupid. Man, we don't want that. But it's part of the process. You see, a faith that isn't tested can never be trusted. Hear me today. A faith that is never tested cannot be trusted. Can't be trusted. And what God is concerned about is, can I trust you? Can I trust you? See, God's given you. We heard the children talk about the word. This isn't just a cute little story. No. It's the imperishable. Everlasting, God breathed word to mankind. His love letter written in blood across the human heart. I love you, I love you, I love you. This word of God is forever. The word of the Lord is true. It is true and it endures forever. The psalmist declared, faith built in the valley. A faith that's built in the valley can be trusted. See, what do I do? What do I do? Well, George Bailey, don't have time to watch the next clip, but George Bailey, he prays. Yeah, he prays in a bar, he, you know, so you have to come on the 19th and watch and see how that works out. But, but, you know, people find God in all kinds of places, don't they? Don't they find God in all kinds of places? You know where I found God? I found God after a two-day drunk and sober, after a two-day drunken binge, trying to sober out, laying in my bed saying, God, if you're really real, show yourself I mean, people find God in all kinds of places. George Bailey's, I'm not a praying man. God, if you're there, if God you're there, show yourself. You know, the fact is, sometimes before the light comes, it gets darker in your life. So what do I do? Yea, do I walk through the valley of the shadow of death? I will fear. Everyone say, I will fear no evil. No evil. I will fear no evil. I refuse to give into discouragement. I call this the rule of your spirit. It's a choice you make today. A choice you make today. Your mind starts to think wrong about a person. Your, your, your mind starts to think wrong about an experience. It just starts going down that trail. You can't escape it. Next thing you know, you start to feel bad about yourself. That's exactly how it works. It all starts right here in the mind. And You have a choice over that. The enemy will fire fiery darts, but you have a weapon. The weapon of your warfare is the word of God. You gotta speak the word. You gotta know it in order to speak it, but you gotta believe it. So your mind is powerful. What's first, done, what's, what's first conceived in the mind that becomes a reality in your actions and everything you do. And so your mind says, I am not gonna be discouraged. See, but it's not just gritting yourself up. It's not just yeah, I'm able to do this. No, 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 no. Paul the Apostle said it like this, I will fear no evil. We pray that you'll be strengthened to stick it out over the long haul and not with the grim strength of gritting your teeth, but the glory strength God gives. It is a strength that endures the endurable and spills over into joy. Joy unspeakable and full of glory. It's the joy of the Lord at your strength today. So you've got to make a choice. I'm going to worship. I'm going to praise Him in the dark times. If I had 10,000 years and I had 10,000 tongues, I would still sing of His miraculous, wonderful grace. i almost sing of the glory and the goodness of God. It's the glory of God. It's the glory of God. It's the glory. We sing about the glory. The glory just simply means the weight of His presence. It's His presence that carries you through the dark seasons of the night. I will refuse to allow my spirit. That's a choice that only you can make. you got to remember that God is with you today. For you are with me. He's with you. He's with you. He's with everyone in this room. Listen to me. He's with you today. It's one of my favorite verses in the Bible. I love this. It's in Isaiah. The Bible declares it like this. He says, fear not. Listen, I've created you, Eugene. I've formed you. Fear not, for I've redeemed you. I've summoned you by name. I've called you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. When you go through the valley of the shadow of death, when you walk through the seas into darkness, He's promised to be with you. His presence is with you. He'll never leave you nor forsake you. You can fly into a rocket 60,000 feet into the air. You can go into the deepest depths and caves of the earth. And the God that we serve is with you. His Spirit lives in you. He loves you. He has a plan for you. He has a purpose for you. I'm telling you today, He's with you. Never forget, I don't care what you're going through. The dark night of your soul might seem overwhelming. You can't understand it. It doesn't make sense. It's not fair. I want you to know He's with you. He's with you today. You've got to trust in God's care and guidance this morning. You've got to trust Him. His rod and his staff, they come. The little boy, sitting in the back seat of his car. As he said, in the back seat of his car, his parents were going to the beach, and seven-year-old Caleb was praying. And he said, Mom, he said, uh, you know, I'd love to have a little yellow bucket and pail. And his mom said, well, son, that's you know, not in our budget. We're just going to go to the beach, and we're going to come home tomorrow. And, and so little Caleb, they go to the beach. He doesn't complain. It's, it's a true story. Mom, she was so surprised He's sitting in the back seat. And he didn't complain or cry. He just, he just prayed. And she said she heard him pray a really simple prayer, asking God to supply these toys. And so they go to the beach, and they're having fun. And, and he's walking along the beach the next morning before they leave. He's walking along the beach with his father. And as he's walking along the beach, all of a sudden he comes, and he finds a pile of toys just laying there on the ground. Wow. Walks up, and he finds a pile of toys, and goes over and says, Dad, check this out. Check this out. Look at, so, I mean, somebody left these toys here. It's early in the morning. There's nobody around. There's no one else on the beach. Goes over and he starts to pick the toys up. He's picking the toys up. And puts them in his arms and starts to walk down the beach a little farther. He sees a few more toys and he walks over. And Dad looks over at the corner of his eye. He sees something very specific. The little Caleb that prayed for a yellow bucket. He says, I see this bucket. And it's a yellow bucket, and it's sitting over there in the sand. And he says, I walk over and I pick it up. I said, you know, what are the chances of this first, you know? Toys, I and mean, people leave toys. But then there's a yellow bucket, you know, that's pretty cool. And I mean, it seems like God might be working in this. He said, when he picked the bucket up, so there was a name written on the side of the bucket. And the name was the exact same name of his son. Come on, what are the chances? What are the chances? See, God ordained. Because a little child believed. The little child believed it would look to be impossible. But God was able to make the impossible possible because of the prayers of the child. Jesus said, when we come into God's kingdom, we must come like little children. We must believe. Proverbs says trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not upon your own understanding in all your ways, acknowledge him. trust When you're going through the dark night of the soul, are you refusing to be discouraged and putting your confidence in God? He cares. He wants you to know He's with you.
0: Thanks for listening to this message, Your Life Matters, Part 2 with Lead Pastor Eugene Smith. For service times and more information about City Church Orlando, please visit our website anytime at orlando city com or call 407